Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. I'm Stuart Baird. And I'm John Hassel. You're joining us for the first part in a two-part series of special podcasts looking into the history of the A9, one of Scotland's most important trunk roads. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a road I've driven, you know, over a hundred times, but I'm not really an expert on it. No, and it's kind of fortunate that we actually know one because we're joined uh, for these two parts by Duncan McKnight, um, who is an expert on the history of the A9 and has carried out a lot of research on that road in, in recent years. And he also happens to be a Glasgow Motorway Archive member as yeah. well. Duncan, hello. Is that the expert? Is that me? That's you. <laughs> Excellent. I, I'm thank sorry you very to much. tell you, that's you. <laughs> hello, Stuart. How are you getting on today? I am fine, thank you. And thank you very much for coming along to join us for this. You've came a long way to record these podcasts. Yes, all the way down the A... The A, what's it called? John, what's it called? The A... You came down the A82, yeah? The, the A82, that was it, yeah. <laughs> that road that goes from Perth to Inverness, yes. <laughs> no, you've come all the way down the A9. Now, down so, the A9 some of you yes. might know Duncan uh, from the podcast, because Duncan McKnight, you, you've asked us many questions before. Always uh, wanting to know more. Always I mean. wanting to know yes. more. So now you're, you're finally here, sitting in the hot seat. It's like a dream come true. Certainly. For all Certainly of us. Is, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have plenty of questions for you over these two yes. parts. And for the benefits of the listeners, we'll just give them an overview of what we're going to be covering in both parts. Okay. So in part one, uh, this part, we're going to be talking about the, the history of the entire route. So that is, you know, originally the A9 was from Edinburgh all the way to, to John O'Groats. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about the history behind that section through the 16th, 17th centuries, right up through the Victorian era and through the 20th century. We're then going to focus a bit on the section between Stirling and Perth. So it's really the section between Dunblane and Perth. The dual carriageway section. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to finish part one on that basis. In part two, we're then going to look at what some people might classify as the most important section. So the section between Perth and Inverness. We're going to look at that 1970s and 80s era major upgrade that the route had. Mm -hmm. We're then going to discuss the the drilling of that section, which is very much on the go at the moment. But we're not going to forget about the northern sections, you know, the section up to Thurzo, where there's a couple of very important bridges up there. Cromarty, Donner, they're all part of that. The A9 is never boring. Exactly. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about. So in part two, we're going to cover that. So I think uh, we should get straight into part one. So, Duncan, you're going to very much lead us on this. You've got all the information to hand. Tell us about the history of the A9. Well, where do we begin with something like the A9? The A9 is Scotland's longest road, and it is the fifth longest A road in the UK at 273 miles. Interesting. It's uh, longer, this is taken from Sabre, uh, which we speak about, it is longer than the combined lengths of the A7, the A8, and the Scottish section of the A1. You put all them together, the A9 is still longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, That makes it longer than the M6 motorway as well. Right. By about 50-odd miles or something like that. So this is a very long section of road yes. that we're talking about. Definitely here. worthy of this discussion. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm. And on the whole, almost entirely single carriageway at the moment. At the moment, yes. There are some dual carriageway bits put in there, and we are dueling the middle bit. But uh, mm-hmm. it's mostly single carriageway, but a very good single carriageway. Okay. Yeah. So the route itself... Um, as with a lot of routes through the Highlands, I imagine that has a history of being a military road or yes. something like that. Yes. Uh, developed to enable better communications between the north and south yeah, uh, of the country. So w- was that the case for the A9? That was the case for the A9. The history of the construction of the A9 dates back to about 1725, okay. something like that. Yep. Uh, prior to the first sort of work going on with General Wade, it was a drove road. Now, if you know about Scottish history, drove roads were little sort of tracks and paths that went through mountains mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that were 
made by the hooves of sheep and cattle as yeah. they were driven along these roads from yeah. the highlands to the lowlands to yeah. be sold and uh, things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, the first sort of proper work that got done was by a guy called General Wade. Have you heard of him? Yes. Uh, this yes, he's got more than a few uh, yes. famous military roads in Scotland. Uh, yep. He was put up there to control basically Jacobites and all this sort of uprising that was going on. And to do that, he needed forts. So we've got things like Rutherburn Barracks. Yep. And we've got a military road system that he built. Uh, mm -hmm. Where did we go here? We, it was The military roads were conceived for the overall strategic purpose of communication between barracks and castles, such as Rutherburn. Right. Uh, they were designed primarily for the transportation of troops, you know, big sort of mass numbers going along, mm -hmm. and uh, supply wagons and built with military labour and built with government money. Mm -hmm. And the first major length, the approximately 250 miles of military road was built under this first programme by General Wade, and then it was uh, progressed on later by William Caulfield, okay. who added on different uh, bits and pieces. Uh, for technical people, the basic width that the roads were built, and these were basically sort of dirt with gravel and things that were compacted down. Mm -hmm. uh, they were built with a width of about 16 foot, and that goes down to about 10 feet in slightly more challenging terrain. Mm. Now, if you're a fan of Ordnance Survey maps and you look around Scotland, you might see these dotted on as uh, General Wade's military road. Yep. Sometimes followed by routes, you know, today, mm -hmm. still following that original line that mm -hmm. was put down with some bits tidied up here and there. Yeah. Okay, so that was that era. What, what what was the next big change that came along for the route? The next big change was the the Commission for Highland Roads and Bridges, which was set up in about 1803. Uh, this was uh, a guy called Thomas Telford, who you might have heard of. Yeah, we might have heard, heard of Thomas, heard of Thomas Telford. Yeah. <laughs> he was basically the guy who was sent up to survey and uh, plan out all the new routes for these new roads. Uh, the 50% of the finance for these roads came from the sort of landowners and 50% came from the government, again, who were keen to get this, get the country, uh, get new roads up and in the country. Mm. Uh, approximately 1,480 kilometres of roads was built with 1,117 bridges wow. were built along with Thomas Telford. Okay. A lot of these are still around today, yeah. sometimes sitting at the side of a new road you'll get this sort of old stone bridge yep. that's, yeah. still, that's still sitting there because arches are very strong yep. uh, the road width again for technical people that was also 16 foot but these varied from about 12 to 20 okay. again in difficult right. terrain so a bit money. wider than the military roads a bit wider yeah okay. so it's a bit of an upgrade yeah mm -hmm. So after Telford came along, as, as he did in many parts of the, uh, the road mm. network, A74 being a good example, the A8 being another, mm -hmm. uh, after that then for the A9, um, what came next? I take it the rise of the motor car yes. would be the next big... The early 1920s, we set up the Ministry of Transport. And this is more of a sort of general history, but we started giving roads numbers. Yep. Yep. And then giving these roads numbers, we realised that these things are quite important links. Mm. So we had to do a fair bit of work to them. The work that was done between uh, uh, around about Perth and Inverness was the rebuilding of all of the bridges between technically Blair Athol and Inverness. It was a big program of upgrading works. Okay. So uh, these were originally Telford's bridges. These are Telford's were, bridges. That were being widened. That were being widened to. I've got it here somewhere. It's about 18 foot. A consistent width of 18 foot from Blair Athol to Inverness. Stop bottlenecks and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the. The consulting engineer was a guy called Owen Williams for the bridges, who, if you're uh, history and engineering, Owen Williams is quite famous for yep. being the architect for the first section of the M1 yep. and also Gravelly Hill. Yep. 
So we did a lot of that. And a lot of these bridges that were constructed in the 1920s were large, big concrete. This is where concrete was first being introduced as a construction mm -hmm. material. So we had mm. these big designs with hexagonal sections on them, many of which are still around today. Yep. Some of them haven't aged very well, mm -hmm. but they're still standing. Yeah. Um, for, for anybody listening, the Owen Williams Consultancy existed for many years, as Duncan said, was involved in the M1 and uh, Spaghetti Junction and the M6. Yeah. Uh, they were later acquired by Amy uh, and mm -hmm. today basically operates as Amy Consulting. Yeah. You know, so still very much in existence as, a, as an operator. That's where I've heard the name then. Yep. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay, so when then, so around about that time, all our roads all across Britain were being given numbers. So when was the A9 classified as the, the A9? The A9 was first called the A9 on the 27th of April 1922 as the Edinburgh Stirling Inverness Trunk Road. Okay. And from Inverness to John O'Groats, it was originally called the A88. Mm-hmm. And that was changed in the 30s right. to uh -huh. A9 all the way up to John okay. Groats. Interesting. Okay, so at that time then, thinking about the A9 as a trunk road in Scotland being one of the, having a single digit number, one yes. of the most important, clearly. Mm -hmm. um, Travelling from Edinburgh, where did the A9 start in the, Edinburgh? The A9 started, it didn't start in Edinburgh. I mean, the key was to get all the main roads starting in the centre, but the yeah. A9 didn't make it. The A9 started just to the east of Goga Roundabout at a place called Maybury Junction. Oh, yes. You oh, might be aware of that. You've got the A8 going east to west. You've got yeah. the A902 going north. And then sort of going north, west, you've got another road. Mm -hmm. And that goes to the airport. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. that was the original start of the A9. Okay. Now, this you can't follow this to Kirtleston and Winchborough today yeah. because they've constructed a runway across it, which is Edinburgh <laughs> Airport. Yeah. Uh, so this was bypassed by the M9 in the 70s. I need a wee bit more detail on that. Okay. Um, and then it went through Linlithgow up to Falkirk, uh, up to Stirling, and then yeah. pretty much the historical and route. If we listen to our podcast from yeah. a few episodes back the on M9. the M9, you will hear all about how this, that section developed. This is funny, actually, because they reference the A9 all the way down uh, at Nidri Bing, which is where the Kirkliston Junction is. Yeah. But it's no longer called A9 down there. No. It got taken away and it got reclassified as, I think it's a B road. Yeah. The name escapes me, but that, you know, that kind of corroborates what I was reading at the time. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So the A9 in, the, in these southern parts of the country still exists in a form today, They still exist. It? They're more distributor roads yeah. going between these places. They're not what you would go on if you're going from Edinburgh to Stirling. You would take mm -hmm. the motorway. These are more local roads than anything else. I'm trying to think of the, the place where I see the A9 as a kind of a non-primary, um, you know, non-trunk. Yeah. Is, is someone in Falkirk? The, today's A9 starts at junction 5 of the M9. Yeah, there's a big roundabout, and that's where the A9 starts. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. it's not the historical route; it's a sort of diversion that was built around uh, Larbor and things like that. Yeah, okay, yeah, but still, still very much there. Yeah, okay. So the section that we are really interested in runs from Keir Roundabout, Keir which roundabout, is the end yeah. of the M9 at Junction Eleven, and from there runs all the way up to Thurso. Mm -hmm. So, moving on to the next section, then really, we're going to talk about Keir Roundabout to Perth. Yes. Now, this is an interesting section because I believe, although it's dual carriageway, um, it was one of the last sections of the of the, of the the southern parts of the mm. post-war motorway system and upgrades that came along to be built. Is that right? Yes. It took a bit of time to get this 30 miles of dual carriageway built to dual carriageway, which yeah. is a bit poor, I'm not going to lie, yeah, to say okay. that it took that long. Um, and I know that there were some issues 
with Dumblain because Dumblain originally issues, had yeah. dual carriageway going through it. Yes. And there's some sections of that in Dumblain where you can see where they obviously intended to go a bit further. Mm -hmm. But I know that there was some strife with some of the local population, yes. wasn't there? I know that you know when you listen to the M9 podcast, the key roundabout was put there in about 1971. Yeah. Sure. Now going north from there, you had to go through Dumblain, yeah. and then you were onto the dual carriageway up to Oxford uh, up to Perth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This took a little bit of time. And I've seen a couple of uh, political discussions and debates online about why this bypass of Dumblain took so long. Because <laughs> you came off the motorway and you were through your town centre before yeah. you went to the better bits. Yeah. And it was the, the famous sort of government excuse that I've seen that, uh, oh, the, the road is already half dual carriageway in Dumblain. So we'll do it later. You've already got half a dual carriageway there. Capacity is there Capacity already. Capacity is yeah. there. But once, because I drove along it today, once you get to a certain point, you hit Dumblain and the dual carriageway stops. Yeah. So it's kind, it's kind of like the old Bailston to Newhouse argument that it was the last section of dual carriageway built before we started building the M8. Yes. So in the eyes of the government, they had just spent a lot of money on that section. It had a bit of capacity, so then went to the, almost the bottom of the list yes. yeah, for, for the next set of improvements that, that was going to come along. So that kind of makes sense. I mean, it was only three miles long. Yeah. I do find it a bit poor that it took that long to get yeah. built from coming off the motorway going through Dumblain onto the next bits yeah so was so, the Dumblain bypass the last southern section to be built on a new the, alignment then this pretty much yeah, yeah there was what, a, there was another bit further north but we'll get to that okay when when did the Dumblain bypass open then when, the Dumblain was, bypass I have it here opened officially on the 10th of December 1990 my goodness I, I mean that's that is late for what that it is, is. Uh, now I see I see why you know you're saying this Duncan that yeah. it's pretty shocking that it took that long you know because yeah. everybody going through I bet that was a relief for people staying in Dumblain oh certainly yeah it was opened by Michael Forsyth, MP of that area. Who, of course, he would have been the local MP at yes. that time there. Yeah. Um, okay, so going north then from the from the Dunblane bypass, what, what came next? You said the sections were slightly better north of Dunblane, so... Yes, uh, I'll, I'll just chuck a wee bit more in about Dunblane, if that's sure. right. Yeah. Dunblane was designed by Batishon Morton, and it was constructed by Balfour Beatty. Okay. And it cost around about 18 million. Right. Now, I was originally a wee bit shocked about that, but there is a large bridge which... If you drive on the A9 today, there is a lot of roadworks going on at that bridge. Yeah. That mm -hmm. goes over the River Allen and yeah. the railway line, this very large uh, weathering steel bridge. Yeah, yeah. So watch out for that. So that, that was probably the biggest <laughs> single cost on that, yes. on that project. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the Dunblane Bypass then ended. Now, am I right in saying that it ended roughly where the road splits off that goes straight to Creef? Uh, or was it slightly prior to that? It was... It was a wee bit further on than that. There's, okay. Yeah, there's a wee house next to where the, the road straightens out and that's where it's sort of tied in. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's next to where the B8033 is. Right. So it's okay. just there. And, and dual carriageway-wise, when when was that section? The the section up to Green Loaning from the Dumblain Bypass is actually one of the oldest sections right. to okay. be constructed. It was constructed around about between 1968 and 1969. Right. With a bypass of Green Loaning appearing in about 1970 details are a wee bit hazy on this because right. it was so long ago yeah um yeah i'm just looking at the maps here mm -hmm. and it's a very very straight section yes from dumblain going to green line then there's a fork junction there, there is. it looks like it was a terminus maybe or i'm not it sure it ended just beyond green loaning just to yeah. the east of it uh, that section ah. uh is the what i like to call the roman section yeah. because it follows the roman road which yeah. is, is why, that why it's, it's uh, so straight that's why it's, well, it's not well if you want to be really technical it's got a kink in it Right. But, it, but it is very, very straight. So that's the Roman road that later became, I think, the military road. And then it was just used from there. Okay. 
Yeah, that's it. It's pretty interesting. So there you mm -hmm. go. So designer on that was that a Babti design section as uh, well? Not too sure about that. Okay, so that's I think that might have been a council section. Right. Well, maybe. For anybody, for anyone who doesn't, anyone who knows, please let me know yeah. about when this big long straight section passed uh, Balhaldi and the mm -hmm. little chef opened. Okay, so that might have been like a Stirlingshire County Council scheme or something. Probably, like that. probably done in about three or four bits. Okay. I was just going to say, if it's a county council thing, good luck with finding yeah. material on that. You know, <laughs> uh, given the length of the route and the amount of research that you've done, I can tell by the mountain of papers in front of you. You know, <laughs> we will let you off with not knowing one. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> you're doing better than Stuart and I do so far yeah, so no absolutely well, thank you <laughs> okay then so keep taking us north so north of there we've got a scheme called green loaning to Blackford oh uh, yes and this was designed by Jameson Mackay and partners and it was constructed by RJ McLeod now this was oh. the final section to be duelled between Perth and Stirling and it opened on the 14th of December 1992 that's so like, could you imagine, right? So, I mean, I think of the A9 mm -hmm. going to, I mean, that's your main artery north, going especially yeah. from Glasgow to Perth. Yeah. And then, well, you know, it's 1991 and you're hitting the single carriageway section. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's I, crazy. I, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I was born in 88, but I don't remember ever that road being anything other than dual carriageway. Yeah. You, know? you know, and it's strange because the fact that these dates are so late kind of contradicts Scottish office policy from about 1963 mm -hmm. where they were basically saying yeah the 4-4 bridge is there but the main route north from Glasgow in the west is, is still going to be via the A9 mm -hmm. you know so they'd given that commitment and yet it took all these years to actually get a lot of these sections it's upgraded very and piecemeal yeah 1992 you know? is incredibly late I mean let's be honest I mean the A90 to Aberdeen only finished in what 1994 when the Brecon yeah. Bypass opened uh, you know, it was supposed to connect to the oil boom. Mm -hmm. The oil boom was by by the time a lot of these sections were actually <laughs> I being know, finished. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll let you carry on with it, Duncan. Yeah. I, I mean, I do have some opinions on this section between Perth and, and Stirling. But I'll leave them. And we'll get. We'll get to, them. to the end. Worry. Maybe some questions. We have a big argument yeah, or <laughs> discussion. Sorry. Discussion. I, I, know, I know there's been one or two grade separated junctions put in there. Yeah. Over the last few years as well. Yes. Um, there was a few dodgy bits there, poor accident rates and the like. So we'll, we'll mm -hmm. have a wee discussion on that. Uh, so that was Jameson Mackay. Jameson um, Mackay. Yeah. Interestingly, a, a consultant who existed for a brief period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, poached one or two famous Glasgow motorway designers from Scott Wilson oh. in the, back in the day um, who were made partners at Jameson Mackay there's a wee bit of uh, gossip and controversy there that we'll no doubt talk about at some point with it, okay. when we get to some of the history um, of things so there's always a connection it's a, a very small industry in Scotland uh, road design and engineering and, and, and all that and road maintenance I'll yep, tell you indeed. that you keep bumping into the same people yes exactly mm -hmm. um, okay where did we go next then? Going north from there, we've got the Blackford Bypass. Oh yeah. Now this is one mm -hmm. of the one of the first bypasses to be built yep. uh, on the Perth to Stirling route. It opened southbound on the nineteenth of October nineteen eighty, and northbound on the seventh of December nineteen eighty. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. It was designed, I believe, ninety nine percent sure, by Tayside Regional Council. And it was built by Miller Construction, and the contract was two point oh, two million. Had a Miller construction yeah, we don't, you don't yeah. hear about them much now. Um, yeah. Miller built a few things down here as well. It's funny, yeah. depending on what parts of the country you're in, it's the same contractors in certain areas, you know. But okay. Yeah, it's a small world. It's a small world. Stuart's just getting the Google getting Maps. Google, up, yeah. Google Maps up so we can follow. The route north, the route as you north, discuss yes. it, Duncan, and we yeah. can, uh, us um, people from Glasgow can, can figure out where we are. Yeah. yeah, so that takes you very much to the Glen Eagle section. Hi. Mm. Um, and, and was that within that 1980 stretch? That was a slightly older uh, section. That was, uh, this is the Loaning Head Diversion. Yeah. 
Now that was constructed and opened in November 1975. Right. So, so that's an even older so section. So just a few years prior. Okay. That is where the A823 and the A9 cross each other. So that, and that was grade separated. That was grade separated, wasn't it? It was grade separated from day one, but it was altered slightly. I think right, one of the slip okay. roads was a bit tight, if so you they look at the re-angled view, it. Might, yeah, might tell you otherwise, but yeah, no, they've definitely faffed around with that recently. Yeah, yeah, you can sort of see. see yeah, there's a wee bit. You can bit see there. an old bit of slip road there. Yeah, so yeah. if you have a look on Google Maps, you, you'll see that there used to be some on slip. Yeah, yeah so that's that's I never, yeah. never, never drive these sections all the time. Never think about it. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Now I know that that section did have a bad safety record for a while. Yes, um, it and was originally a, a rather nasty crossroads. Yeah, which did have a bit of a bad smash record. And there's average yeah. speed cameras on that section now. There's average speed cameras from the Kia roundabout all the way up to Broxton. Yeah, right. Yeah, so they were put in in October 2014. Yeah, so I remember when that October. when that went live. Okay, so Norfolk Glen Eagles. Uh, oh, sorry, who designed this Glen Eagles section? The the information that I've the got council. here is the Perth and Kinross Joint County Council. Right. And it was done by White Construction Limited. Okay, that's yeah. not one we've heard of yeah. before. A yeah. couple of facts and figures about this one. Uh, okay. During construction, three wartime bombs were discovered, which were, turned out to be 50-gallon drums of petrol, which right. replaced it as part of the Home Guards, so Dad's uh-huh. Army, anti-invasion measures right. of World War II. And these were quickly found and exploded on hillside far away okay so there was How no quaint. damage there <laughs> yeah oh, wow. okay. uh, another wee fact uh, 1280 pounds of equipment was stolen from the worksite including uh, microscopic theodolites hillage watts level and a wing claw hammer hammer okay. amongst <laughs> others all right okay Always secure your construction yeah. site. Those yes. locals for you. I think the case. I think the case is still open. So, yeah. If yeah. you have any information, please, yeah. Please let us know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pass okay. it on. So north of there, we've got the <clears throat> the Ochtararder and Abrodvan bypasses. You usually need your when yeah, you're talking about these great roads. Pronunciation. And yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay. The Ochtararder bypass was opened on the 21st of October, 1983. And it was built by Balfour Beatty and cost six point five million pounds. I, I I wonder if that was maybe a Teesside Regional Council scheme. Actually, mm-hmm. that, given it was that era, that was when the regional councils were mostly taking their design in house. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was a council design mm-hmm. scheme. Mm-hmm. Shout out to John Andrews, uh, a colleague of Stuart, who uh, was involved in the Ochtarder bypass. So hello, John. How are you? Yep. Yep. And thanks to John. <laughs> I I should add at this point as well. Thanks also to Graham Yule, who sent us one or two documents on the on the A nine. Uh, and sections as well. Um, thank you, Graham. Graham's always. It's currently helpful. not a road that Graham hasn't helped us with, so it's that's awesome. good. Oh yeah, <laughs> this one you mean? Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's yeah. he's got so much there. So. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yep. Okay, so um, where do we go from there? I mean, that section. Did you say that just finished the Broxburn? It uh, finished the Ochtarder and Abrodvan bypass. Right. Finished about a mile north of where the Abrodvan junction is. Okay. Not sure. Too sure of the tie-in of where that is it's not really clear on the ground because they have resurfaced it right but uh, it stopped there now a question for you mm-hmm. um just something i'm thinking about looking at the map it's yes. clear that there are a number of bypasses of towns yes Glen eagles Ochterarder, and others were the sections between these towns upgraded to dual carriageway or is all of this route on a new line it's a mix of both Right, okay. Some of it is online upgrading, which is widening the existing roads to dual carriageway. Yeah, so that parallel lots, widening, yeah. they just slap another carriageway so down. So that long straight section down at uh, Balhaldi. 
Yes. That's all online upgrading. Um, that looked like that, in yeah. fairness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the bypasses there are offline. Between there, it's kind of a mix of on and off. You might mm-hmm. see bits of sort of dead tarmac lying around, right, which okay. provides access to fields <clears throat> nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's maybe the old road. There was a fairly major bypass north of Oxerarda, mm-hmm. which is the bit that goes up the hill, or the Kearney Braes. Oh, yeah. The, big, I, the I steep know, hill. I know the steep hill. I always remember it coming down it. Uh, yeah. not, not necessarily going up it, but you, you've got to watch your speed there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know that. Bit. This was mm-hmm. probably the most challenging section to build, given it is going up a hill. Yeah. Uh, this opened in October of 1986, but it opened, partially opened Contraflow southbound on the 18th of September 1986. Oh, okay. Yeah. It yeah. was designed again by Baptiste Sean Morton, and it was built by Balfour Beatty. And it oh. cost around about... 8.5 million. Right. Okay. This involved a fair amount of blasting into the hill yeah, to get was, it up the hill. I was going to say, I mean, the change in elevation is quite dramatic. I yeah. always see that bit there, Duncan, as the, as the the gateway to the central belt. I think <laughs> when I get down there, I'm in the central belt because it is a lot flatter. It's down flat there. and it's... Yeah. yeah, and then when you're beyond that, it's kind of like, wow. Well, well, you're we're, in the highlands. You're in the highlands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, so that is an interesting section. Mm-hmm. Um, as John says... You know, you do when you're coming south. You're kind of like thinking, yeah, it starts to get flatter. Yeah, you need to drop a gear. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you know you're getting somewhere when yeah. you're coming back. Yeah. Now, as we've discussed, this whole section was quite late to the party mm-hmm. in terms of its upgrade. Yeah, um, particularly this section. I know this section. The old road was quite susceptible to snow and winter weather, and yeah. what, oh. a lot of lorries well, getting grounded. Yeah, and that that section still can be a special yes. about, uh, green warning and. and yeah, like that's that, pretty poor sometimes. Um, that can be quite bad. Um, now, I wonder, do do you have any information as to when they decided that it was going to be jeweled, this section? I have seen some legisl- some documents and things like that saying that the Octorada bypass was going to be single carriageway. Yeah. When that opened, because that is a very straight section. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when it was going to be dual carriageway, I'm not too sure. But it was probably around about the time that the motorways were going to meet at each end of it that they ri- yeah. realised we probably shouldn't have a single carriageway between these two. Yeah, because yeah. it's interesting, because some of the old government papers that we have, particularly the 1963 white paper, which basically shaped the trunk road system we have in Scotland yeah. now, mm-hmm. um, and most of the big post-war schemes came about as a result of that, it mentions improvements to the A9. Yes. But it doesn't go into any detail. And there's nothing in what I've read to suggest that that section of A9 was going to be treated any differently to the section between Perth and Inverness. Yeah. So at some point, they've decided, hmm, yeah, this bit really should be jeweled. Uh, and I'm wondering, I wonder when that was. So if anybody out there listening knows when the policy decision was taken, so let's jewel that section. Yeah. Now, as Duncan says, it does make sense because we have the M90 going all the way up to Perth in the east. Mm-hmm. It would have seemed silly to end the M9, you know, at Keir and then just have this single carriageway road coming up, given what I said earlier was that, you know, they intended that that route was going to be the main route north yeah. for, for traffic from the west. You and, know. and from down south. And from down south, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was never going to be sent via the Fourth Road Bridge. So, yeah, I guess at some point they've looked at the traffic forecasts or whatever and they've gone, yeah, you know what, I think just, this just, should probably be drilled. Yeah. And that combined with some of the local arguments and fights that have gone on, okay. uh, like Dunblane have obviously yeah. have contributed to that. Yeah. Although that original section of dual carriage, we going into Dunblane. Yes. When was that built? Did you did you see 1968-69, So that I was think. right. So that original section heading yeah. into the town was what, it was 
fairly late as well. Yeah. I mean, that mm-hmm. probably came it's about... Kind of an urban dual carriageway. Yeah, designed yeah. probably as part of the motorway, the Stirling Bypass Stage yeah. 2, or Stage 1, actually, like the northern mm-hmm. section, mm-hmm. just to confuse matters. Yeah, um, yeah so that, that probably came about as that. Okay. I mean, this bit has been a bit of a mystery because there has been a lot of information on Perth and Inverness because it was yeah. a big project taken yeah, yeah. forward and done in about 12 years. This bit wasn't, so it required a wee bit of digging. Yeah. And I should give a wee shout-out, first of all, to, uh, to Ian Hill from Sabre. He's doing a lot of research using the British Newspaper Archive, yeah. which is an online archive yep. of newspapers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's finding a lot of road things, and he'd helped me out with a wee bit of research. So thank you very much to him. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Is he, is he good a podcast fan? Does he, does he listen to the, to the I mean, podcast? Do we know? I hope he does. Yeah. He, he, he should be listening well, to this one because I've, I've said his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ian, if you are listening and, and you're doing your research, the British Newspaper Archive is something that we've only just scratched the surface of, and, mm. and, and we have considered the subscription of that. If you if you do come across any any Glasgow motorway related stuff in any of those newspapers, you know, give us a shout. We'd be very happy. To, to work with you on anything you've got. Certainly, mm-hmm. we've been using the Google newspaper archive mm-hmm. uh, because the Herald and the Evening Times are on there and there's a yeah. lot of Glasgow-based stuff in there, which has been really good. I'm only up to 1960, but, you know, it takes a bit of time. But So, yeah, I appreciate the hard work that people do when they're going through, mm-hmm. trawling Definitely. through these old yeah. newspaper archives. It's quite easy on the newspaper archive. You just type in A9 and give the dates oh, and stuff pops do up. That? See, oh, yes. on Google newspapers, yeah. you can't do that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you have you to, have go through to it. manually yeah. go through it. It's because yeah. it's just a scan of the old microfiche. <laughs> you know, so you have to go through it. No, it, it picks out wee words and says 89 things. Oh, I will show you about that later, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. take a look at that. Okay. okay. Right, so this section of road obviously became very popular. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's quite busy. Do we know where the traffic flows are on there on a typical day? Do we have that information? I, I don't have it to hand, but no. there will be a way of getting it. Um, um, it must be a few, a good few thousand. Good. Around about 20,000, something like yeah. that. It's fairly constant because yeah. Perth and Vernes it sort of drops a bit, so you get quiet spells yeah. going up and yeah. down it. Mm-hmm. This is fairly constant back and forth. Okay, because it is a, it is a busy section. It is, it? yes. You know, I've known people who commute from Perth to Glasgow and Glasgow to Perth. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it seems mad to me, but I know people who do it. It's, and it's have not done out it for the years. question, and there's going to be a lot of strategic traffic on there as well. Yeah. All these heavy goods vehicles heading up the A9 as well will be will be taking that way. Yeah. Um, so that then is probably why there were some safety issues on it. I am thinking that the main issues that, that I've been aware of and that have affected that section, speeding was a big one. Mm. And there were a couple of long straights on the section that were spoken about. The southern end, yeah. Particularly bad for speeding. Um, there were some pretty awful junctions on there as well. That's right. Central... Mm. Reservation had these, yeah, the, these ones, um, which is very kind of typical of these older dual carriageways. Yeah. Now we wouldn't build something like that. Yeah. You know, where they had these gaps in the central reservation. The mm-hmm. A90 has a lot of that too. Yeah. And some of these junctions are total widow makers. And, yeah. and I'm thinking that there was a particularly bad junction in the near to Glen Eagles. Um, is that still there? There's there's one that was in the process of being dealt with, or is I going think to be dealt that with? was the one for the, the railway station. I think that's now gone, and that's why they improved the loaning head yeah, roundabout right. thing. Yeah, yeah. so they and improved that. And that's now gone. That's gone. And then I believe there was another two south of there. That there was done. a in the research the newspaper stuff that I found. Uh, there was a, a lot of complaints with you know Octorada and these sorts of places yeah. is that the gap just was not big enough. For all these people going in because these places I think were quite small before yeah, yeah. but now they have grown because they've got mm. this artery going next to them so a lot of the gaps have been widened if you go past Blackford it's got a very large waiting area yeah a, re- a refuge well I know at Octorado they added lights to it yes and am I right in saying that I mean it's it, it, does the speed limit drop somewhere? Because I, I remember a speed limit dropping to maybe 50 in one of these junctions, or is it just 70 the whole way it's through? It's 70 the whole way there was a speed limit drop further north of Balanluig 
Oh, it went so down to 50 because there was a right turn there and that was quite that, nasty. that's beyond Perth, right? Yeah, yeah. but there was, no, there was no speed limit. There was never that. No, it's no. been 70 all the way. Yeah, so um, oh, that's that's quite interesting. So you're saying quite a lot of these gaps in the central reservation, they actually stopped these up. They have stopped a couple of them up, so but some, some of them the are still ones. very busy. I had to. I used one today, actually, to look at uh, a bridge because that's what I do on my day off. Uh, and these things, <laughs> you know, they, are, they are quite scary because you do I, have traffic zooming past you and I, you have to... I time find, your manoeuvre properly. I find it a lot scarier when using them when I'm turning onto the road. Yes. With it, so rather than turning off the road. But yeah, it is. Um, it's quite jarring it's when you're driving along a dual carriageway road, um, which you know s- similar characteristics to say a motorway. Mm-hmm. So and then you suddenly got traffic turning across you. Yeah. There's a thing about this road, Duncan, that I've always found that section. I've always found it dueling on the cheap is how I've thought of it in some sections. It, it just feels a bit cheap. It yeah. doesn't feel like the kind of nice modern expressway standard mm-hmm. that you, you'd see on something like the you know the A14 or, or even sections of that um, Aberdeen City Bypass. Yeah. Another feature of that section that's always stood out for me was the, the old service area. You know, there's a northbound and a southbound. Yes. Um, yeah. with, the, with the shell garages. I um, use them because... All the time, I need to go to the toilet there. Yeah. They, <laughs> I, I always stop at those services. I believe they both had Little Chef yeah, restaurants. The Little Chef time. building is still there, but right. it looks a bit run down now. Okay. But it's still there. It's this now a Starbucks next to it, but the Little Chef is still there, so have a look out for that. Okay. I can't remember the last time I've seen a Little Chef that was open. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So. So, so, aye, on the whole, it is a... A fairly interesting section. I mean, this all finishes at Broxton Roundabout, yeah. doesn't it? Should we it? get to the, the last bit to Broxton Roundabout? Yes, yeah. I was going to say, because yeah. am, am I missing a bit here? There was okay. one more section, and that was called Burnside to Broxton, and that was opened in July of 1983. The designer, I think, was Tayside Regional Council, because okay. they did the Perth Bypass and that bit of the M90, so okay. I f- assume they did that. Would make sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was built by Tractor Shovels. Okay. Ah, right. Okay. Constructor shovels done. Yeah. So yeah. this is another long straight section that goes to Broxton Roundabout. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's kind of a good moment then to actually think about Broxton Roundabout. Mm. Uh, oh, do you really want to? Yeah. Do you I really think, want I, to? I think we have to. We have sure, to wants to give Broxton. us nightmares. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm going to ask each of you uh, what you think about Broxton and what you think should happen to it to to improve upon it. If if indeed you think it needs to be improved upon. Okay. John, I'm going to come at you first because you've not done a lot of research on this, so I'd like to get your opinion more as a as a user of the roundabout sure. rather than someone who knows all about the surroundings. So the, the approaches I've used to Broxton uh, were coming from um, kind of south to north A9 only. Okay. Now um, just just a little bit of a description, and Duncan, I'm sure sure you'll agree, it, it is a four armed. Yes. roundabout at, at grade roundabout yes. where um, the A9 um, connects with it mm-hmm. the M90 connects with it and you've also got the road that goes into um, Perth, as well. Perth itself which I think is the A93 that's the A93 yeah into the services there mm-hmm. now to me it's always made sense of this uh, the way I've used it as I've used A9 and going I have not I've only used it once coming M90 north onto it. Now, mm. can I tell you, tell you something? This is in the experience I've been driving the A9, and I was never driving it at peak times at, at Perth. I never really experienced too many issues at it. Okay. The, the most issues I've had, it was probably user issues where I didn't know what lane to be in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, there's, a, there's a thing when you're coming south and then you're going around, you need to kind of be have your wits about yeah. it. However, the one time I used this junction coming from... Um, you know, Craig End, yes. the M90, I was queued for absolutely ages for yes. what seems no reason. Yes. 
So, how do you fix it? Well, I don't know. I mean, to, to me, I mean, looking looking at it, it makes sense to maybe, given where it is, it's it's tough. A flyover, probably not, but a bypass of the roundabout itself yeah. could be done if you don't want to put a big structure in, or if it's not feasible to do that, would be to bypass and have the A nine as as the straight through route. Yeah. So have the A nine bypassing, cutting the corner with a junction leading to the roundabout. The other thing you could do. Just as a, an old, if if we had a blank check here, would be to stub up the A ninety three and have it as a a, f a fully free flow kind of directional type interchange, mm -hmm. and have the junction for the A ninety three put somewhere else. Right, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So there, there's a cheap option and there's an expensive option. Mm -hmm. Now, well, before we come back to that, because right. something's coming in my head, Duncan, mm -hmm. you tell me what your feelings and experiences of the roundabout are first. Um, I've had some pretty horrendous times on it. Because I've not been that. using it A9 to A9, because where I, my destinations are is more Edinburgh, Dunfermline base. So you so come it's down A9 to M90. Oh, right, okay. A9 South, never really had much of a problem with it. Okay. M90 North, that can be horrendous. That yeah. can be well, that was poor. the one time. That can be very, very poor. Because once the branches join from Craig End, there are sometimes where that's where the queue starts. And okay. you crawl up what takes around about half an hour sometimes to this roundabout. And I do think it is a lot of the traffic going from A9 to A9 blocking the M90 people. Oh, right. Um, I see what you mean. Yeah. Now, okay. looking at the map as someone who has occasionally used that section and has just vague knowledge of it. Come out of the Glasgow area. Yeah, it, mm. it looks to me <laughs> as though that western section of A9 around Perth and the southern section of M90 were designed as one. Mm -hmm. Am I right in saying that that was a bypass of Perth that was designed... In one go? Yes. The 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 Broxton roundabout came with the M90. That's right. So it was Tayside Regional Council who put that in. Yeah. With the intention that they were going to eventually link it up to Inveramond, which is the next section, and yeah. then dual the section south. I don't think they anticipated how busy it would be because yeah. it is Scotland's biggest crossroads, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, it looks to me, looking at it in the map, it looks to me as though it's designed as though the main connection was supposed to be M90 to A9. You know, it's like the A9 South almost comes off of it as an awkward yeah. kind of add-on. But what they yeah. call this turn-off to stay on thing, it yeah. looks like that. So, yeah, the natural route, I see what Stuart's saying, if we look at the map, the natural route is that the M9, simple, just add a flyover to connect the M90 to the A9. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What I think you would have had if you had a full motorway up to Environment is you had the A9 coming up, yeah. and then you have to go on the motorway yeah, and then for a up brief to section. the A9. Yeah. I don't think that would have worked very well because you've had to go through Perth and Perth's one-way system is not good. It's, it's like a labyrinth. Okay. Don't right, stay away. I don't I've, stay away. But well, I mean, I've, watch yourself. I've driven in Perth. I only go into those services mm -hmm. uh, off the, the, the 93 occasionally. So. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. I will admit that it is tricky. I know I have seen some plans from people at Sabre who have had a go well, at fixing yeah. it. What I was going to come in on there was... The, the Scottish government obviously has a stated policy aim mm -hmm. of grade separating the entire A9 mm -hmm. from Keir all the way to Inverness. And I remember looking back to the, the project's review that was published a few years ago, they always envisaged that upgrade coming in three phases. So the first phase was really dueling the section between Perth and Inverness. Yes. Phase two was then grade separating sections, other sections Perth of the existing B. dual carriageway. 
yeah. and then the third phase was going to be Sterling separate. Perth, yeah. yeah, it was going mm-hmm. to be great separate. Yeah. Nah. Now, has there been any progress on that that we're aware of in terms of... Do we know what the proposal is for Broxton? Not that I've seen, no. Okay, and oh. we won't know what it is for Kier yeah. yet either. Because I guess... Or the, the environment. Main, or Inver- Inver- environment. Yeah. And the main priority, obviously, is the mm. duelling of the section from Perth to Inverness because yeah. we'll discuss that in part two, yes. clearly. Um, okay, interesting. Yeah. What, do you you th- th- what do you think? What do I think? I, I, I don't really have an opinion on it. To be I know honest. you don't no. use it very often, but, but maybe, maybe that makes your opinion on this quite good because you can just look at it with a fresh set of eyes and go, well, it makes sense to have yeah. the A9. I have never had a problem with it. Um, I have mostly... I'm kind of the opposite to you. Yeah. I have mostly done the A9 to the A- A90 mm-hmm. manoeuvre. Right. So I've, I have yeah. mainly gone Glasgow to Aberdeen. Right. Right. I've only been to Inverness twice, three yeah. times in the last mm-hmm. 20 years. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, although I've been to Perth. Yeah. But going beyond that is not something I've done because typically when I have, I've gone via the A82 mm-hmm. because it's the more scenic route. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know. Um, but I am typically the sort of person who comes up the A9, takes that short stretch M90, then over Friar and Viaduct, uh, Friar and Bridge, and then, and then up the A90 dual carriageway from there. Yeah. I've never had a problem with it on either the northbound or the southbound approach. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't even have a negative experience of it. That what can... we've got here is the problem with it because I'm going from one way to one way. You're going, John's going one <laughs> yeah. way to one way. And what's the main flow through it? Where are people going this, most? Because if you don't thing. do it properly, if you get it wrong, yeah. you're going to end up with slip roads full of traffic trying to turn and things like that. You've summed that up quite well, Duncan. Yeah. And this is what they need to do the study on to see see what's going to happen. Because I think it's one of these things, whatever solution you're going to do, it's probably not going to be ideal. No. no. I mean, looking at it on the map, it looks as though it would be quite easy to add three flow links for all of this. M90 to A9 is easy because you just fly over the roundabout. Yeah. A9 to A9 is easy because you just bypass the roundabout to the west mm-hmm. and have slips and then maybe I'll have like a fork almost with the okay. you know with the, with the old bit of A9 mm-hmm. or would that be a continuation of the M90 for a few hundred yards yeah. maybe uh, and then A93 which you said earlier you could just deal with that separately yeah. you know there uh, is plenty of space on the M90 section for another junction for the A93 to squeeze it in maybe something yeah. like that. Yeah. that that's the way I thought it's t- yeah. you take the mm. A93 out of it and you simplify it yeah yeah, mm-hmm. now it is interesting. I mean, these junctions are all at grade. Yeah. So I guess at the time, it's that classic example of what they were getting was already vastly superior to what had been there originally. Yeah. So to go another stage and grade separate at that time would probably not have been justifiable from the yeah. from mm-hmm. the traffic perspective, mm-hmm. uh, because the, the the amount of vehicles using it probably would have been at that time. Not particularly substantial, high enough to, to warrant dual carriageway, but yeah. certainly not enough to, to warrant mm-hmm. full expressway standard. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's interesting. I've always wondered as well, incidentally, the M90 goes all the way to Perth. I do often wonder why they didn't take the M9 all the way to Perth. Yes. I don't think the demand was there for it. Mm-hmm. I think probably traffic said up to Stirling would be fine, but dual carriageway would probably yeah. be sufficient. Yeah, the seed still is the last major population yeah. center that warranted mm. that. Yeah, and if you look at the A nine, it is sufficient. It does its job. It goes from Perth to Stirling. Mm-hmm. It does suffer well, a bit from the famous elephant racing. Yeah, when I was down yeah. it today, and it can cause a bit of a delay. I was down to sort of forty miles an hour mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. these things were trying to pass each other. Yeah, but it yeah. does speed up quite quickly. A couple of things just just on the route uh, from my own memory it's yeah. well served by services, petrol stations, yes, and the like. Certainly, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is good. Because once you go north of Inverness, you're going to struggle 
yeah. for, for decent services. There is a reason for that. We will get to yep. that. Yes. I know we're going to cover yeah. that. But I think these, these services have been there since pre the dual carriageway. Yeah, so, so they're, they're not. Old, so they weren't snuck in. These were these were there for a while. Almost like what you had in the old E seventy four. You know, in, in the years gone by, when you had old services that, yeah. that existed. Uh, likewise, I seem to recall there are a number of parking bays and laybys on the on the road as well. Several yeah. big ones, that different shapes and sizes. No real consistency, but there is a few there. <laughs> and and I believe, and this is from memory, mm. so I may not be right. People will correct me. I believe the signage used for the Ochterarder bypass, the one that shows, you know, the signs we see everywhere now that show a bypass, mm-hmm. you know, the one that has the curve and the, the, big, the town yeah, the, name. The bow, yes, yeah, the bow. The bow one, yeah. I believe that the Ochterarder bypass was the first place in Britain to, to utilise to use that signage. What a great bit of Now, trivia. I can't remember where I read that, but I did read it somewhere once. Uh, no mm. doubt somebody will correct me. Was it uh, on a certain road forum, was it? Yeah. Uh, no, that, I think this predates even that uh, uh, Sabre forum, to be honest. Uh, but that, that, mm. I seem to recall that. But maybe Bryn, uh, Bryn Burke would be able to yeah. answer that one. No. So Good. anybody listening, mm. if you do know, I would like to have Where that the confirmed. Sign yeah, I'm yeah. not too sure. They are quite unique, these big signs, because there's yeah. a lot of them. I, I think they trialled it for Ochter Arder and yeah. one or two other places and, I and I think then they rolled it I think I've seen something of that in the newspaper research. About right. how happy they were of having this sign saying, go in and use the services. Yeah, you know? yeah. exactly. That's what it was being, is don't forget there's a town here. You yeah. know, kind of thing. Okay. That was one of the things that held up Blackford yeah. as well, because Blackford's only got one junction. Ochter right. Arder has two. Yeah. So it's really the, you've passed Blackford... And then you go into it, and they were a wee bit concerned about. It's, oh, the town will die out. It's, and we'll it's weird because time. it's almost the opposite from the usual argument for people who are screaming out for bypasses because they don't want the traffic coming through their village or town. Yeah, center. it's business. Yeah. You can moan about it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you have mm-hmm. found that. So you need to sign it properly. Yeah, you know? exactly. Okay, a final thing then on on this section. Um, we we spoke about the average speed cameras. Yeah. Um, is the speed limit 70 miles an hour throughout there? We speed mentioned limit's that. Speed 70, yes. Yeah. And, and the average speed cameras, I think, have vastly improved the safety record on that stretch, haven't they? That and Certainly. the other changes that have been made. Just this dual carriageway yeah. section. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much of it being non-speed camera, but I do remember it being quite fast. Yeah. With I think it was mainly put in for the, the junctions. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they're not there on the Perth and Inverness. Perth and Inverness was done for the, the accidents to yeah. control the speed. These were done, I think, to control maybe the junctions because they were quite high. Because mm-hmm. it has, as far as I know, there's some at-grade junctions like that was the justification for yeah. it. I found it odd, Duncan, because I've I seen why maybe perhaps... I'm going to contradict myself later, don't <laughs> worry. But, you know, the sections north of Perth, why the average speed cameras went about, I always found, well, this section's already dual carriageway. You know, there's not problems with overtaking, obviously. So why, why have we got average speed cameras along there you know but i think that might also contribute to the problem that you you might see now with some elephant racing going on you know because cars are all traveling in these odd convoys now yeah one man's 70 isn't another man's 70 certainly you know know, so that that's generally my opinion but i'll tell you this i'll put my hand i'm I'm not a fan of speed cameras i will say that because i do believe um that the, the, the problem is is not not speed but often driver behavior certainly And, and and a speed camera can't pick that up but a hundred percent. The A nine. The A nine is not dangerous. Drivers are dangerous. Drivers yeah. are there dangerous. You go. And, and I know I, that's something we're well covering. Part two. We will. Yeah. But I just, I just want to say this to go against myself here. I don't. I've never noticed myself held up by it between this section between Perth and Stirling. Perhaps because I didn't drive at a hundred along it before, like everyone <laughs> else did. Yeah. But I never find. Oh my goodness, this is so slow. I, I still find myself getting there at the same time. Even North the, of Perth. 
different story. Yeah, even the A90 that I drove on with cameras was very relaxing because everyone is controlled at 70 miles an hour because that mm. had a junction problem and I think speed. Yeah. So that's now, I quite enjoyed the A90 when I first drove on it because of how you feel, you feel everyone is more controlled mm. driving along it. So uh, If you've okay. got cruise control, it's a dream. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, final thoughts on, on this section and on the history of the A9 from you, John? Well, I, I kind of said them earlier, Stuart. I've I've often felt it's a bit shoddy in places, yeah. you know, with the junctions and stuff like that. But interesting and uh, convenient because you got services and stuff, and I often get through it quite quickly, even with the cameras. Yeah, uh, it, it does it does the job. It's it's just a shame about the roundabouts <clears throat> on either end. Yeah, I mean, it, it easily um, allows a journey from Glasgow to Perth in an hour. You know, I mean, I think you can yeah. go from Stirling to Perth in about thirty well, minutes. You know, much, on, a, yeah. on a good day. On a good day. You know, yeah. So it is a good link. Uh, mm-hmm. Between the cities, between Glasgow, Stirling, and, and Perth, mm-hmm. so, you know, so it can't be faulted for that. I've okay. always found it to be very usable. I have no particularly difficult section to drive. I've never been uh, held up on no, it majorly, no. other than the key roundabout approach, um, as we, oh, we said earlier. Yeah. And, and um, we should mention that maybe as well. That that will probably be great. That will be as well. Yeah. Uh, nice straight forward flyover. M nine to A nine, I think. Yeah. yeah, nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Can't get over. Yeah, <laughs> nice straightforward. Duncan. Uh, you are the, the A9 resident expert. How, how does this section fit within the, the big picture? Do, do you think it's the best section, the worst section? It is a bit of an odd section because when you drive along it and if you're a keen person for look at spotting things, you do notice you know it's curbs and it's big hard strips and it's back to the curbs and yeah. then you've got these sort of funny bends and you've got grade separated bits and then yep. you've got at grade junctions people mm-hmm. turning across the road. So yeah. it's, a, it's a funny section but it is very useful and it was very interesting researching it as well yeah, yeah. okay good You've certainly shone a light on the, on a lot of things we didn't know yeah, yeah. no sure. definitely it's been very it's been very interesting to talk about it and i'm and i'm very interested to hear more mm. uh, i think at that point that that's a good that's a good point, point to stop for, for part mm-hmm. one um part two obviously as i said earlier is going to look at the section between broxton roundabout and perth and inverness and yes. specifically the section up to to thurzo yes so you know so you'll have to come back and listen to part two for that and in the meantime thanks very much for listening to the glasgow motorway archive podcast um, as usual you will find all our episodes on podbean spotify apple podcasts and on all other major podcast providers and don't forget you can go onto social media and see us on facebook twitter and instagram so you can get your daily fix of the glasgow motorway archive photos and information in terms of events coming up for us don't forget that on saturday the 19th of september we have doors open days you can join us at 1 p.m to hear all about the secrets of the unfinished glasgow inner ring road yeah make sure you don't miss that i'm looking forward to that yeah we have lots of new images and plans and things to be revealed on that live webinar and q a so please don't miss that you'll find details through facebook uh through doors open days glasgow themselves and through eventbrite things on there uh, as always please leave us a review if you're listening to this podcast on apple in particular because it's a good way to get us known about and thank you for your continued support and for listening to us duncan thank you very informative part one of this podcast and we look forward to hearing what you've got in store for part two yes. so we'll see you again soon for that excellent but in the meantime thank you very much thank you cheers bye <laughs>